This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we finally have something to talk about besides COVID-19. Governor DeSantis blew off his usual virus update Wednesday to watch the launch of the SpaceX Dragon at Kennedy Space Center, which of course was canceled just 17 minutes before liftoff because of weather. There's still plenty going on with COVID-19. The death toll increased by 62 on Wednesday, and there is a new forecast model predicting a second wave will hit Florida in August and increase fatalities by 40% to a total of almost 8,000 by the 1st of September. Remember, this is just a model, and most of them have been wrong. The state health department reports a huge drop in the number of kids getting routine vaccinations during the pandemic. The governor's personal pediatrician is urging parents to make sure their kids are up to date. Disney and SeaWorld have come up with their plans to reopen to the public. SeaWorld wants to be open on June 11th. Disney's starting dates are mid-July. Universal's already been cleared to reopen on June 5th. Another consumer warning from the state attorney general. She's urging you to beware of scammers who claim to be working for the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and two Florida man stories featuring the skunk ape and the hungry, hungry hooker. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, May 28th. The eyes of the world turned to Florida again, for good reasons this time. The SpaceX Dragon was scheduled for launch Wednesday, the first manned mission from the Cape in almost 10 years. It was the brainchild of Elon Musk, founder of SpaceX, who has pioneered the privatization of the U.S. space program. This is a dream come true, I think, for me and everyone at, at SpaceX. This is uh, not something that I ever thought would actually happen. So when starting SpaceX in 2002, I really did not think this day would occur. I, I, I expected 90% chance we'd fail to even get to a low Earth orbit with a small rocket. So if somebody told me in 2002 that I'd be standing here with the NASA administrator, meeting the astronauts, and the, the, we've got a rocket and spacecraft on pad 39A, the best pad in the world, uh, which is it's an honor to be there, I would have thought, man, I don't know what you're smoking, but it's not. <laughs> like, like, no way. No way is that true. Uh, you know, and, and so it, it, it is, say it's even a dream come true. I didn't even dream that this would come true. Let me put it that way. You know, uh, but it is, I, I am incredibly excited to be here um, on, on behalf of the SpaceX team. Um, and uh, as, as Jim said, I just, this really is the culmination of an, of, in, of an incredible amount of work by the SpaceX team, uh, by, by NASA, and by a number of, of other partners in, in the process of making this happen. It's really, you can look at this as the results of, of, of 100,000 people, roughly, when you add up all suppliers and everyone, working incredibly hard to get to, to make this day happen. So it's, uh, so it's hard, really hard to believe that this is real. The governor, the president, the vice president were all at the Kennedy Space Center to witness the event, but Mother Nature had other plans. The launch was scrubbed. The next window is Saturday afternoon. The latest stats from the state health department show COVID-19 has killed 2,400 people in Florida. That's 62 more than the day before. We now have at least 52,634 cases of coronavirus in the Sunshine State. The governor and cabinet hold their first meeting today since February, and there could be some serious verbal sparring between Governor Ron DeSantis and Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed. Freed is the only Democrat holding statewide office in Florida and has stepped up her public criticism of the governor during an election year. Her political action committee sent an email Wednesday claiming DeSantis' lack of transparency during the pandemic has threatened us all. Today's cabinet meeting gives her a chance to confront him face-to-face, -face, something the governor has prevented in recent months by simply canceling cabinet meetings and refusing to meet with Freed. So there could be fireworks today. Or not.
that's just how it goes in cabinet world. The theme parks that drive Florida's tourism economy say they're about ready to get back to business. Walt Disney World is planning a phased reopening with the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom reopening July 11th, followed by Epcot and Hollywood Studios on July 15th. Rival SeaWorld wants to reopen its three Orlando parks to the public on June 11th. Guests and employees would be required to wear masks and undergo temperature checks. The parks will promote social distancing by limiting the number of people allowed in pools and rivers, and they'll encourage frequent hand-washing by guests and employees. The tourism giants presented reopening plans to Orange County's Economic Recovery Task Force on Wednesday, and the governor says they need approval from the county before he signs off on it. The theme parks have been closed for the past 10 weeks to slow the spread of coronavirus in Orlando, which bills itself as the nation's tourism capital. Now, Universal theme parks have already been given permission to reopen on June 5th. Almost half the COVID-19 fatalities in Florida have been at nursing homes and adult living facilities that have large numbers of elderly people who are not in the best of health living in very close quarters. Governor Ron DeSantis wants all the people who work in those facilities to be tested in order to stop the spread of the virus. We want all staff to be tested and uh, and that's just very important. That's going to be a multi-pronged approach. Uh, we do need long-term care facilities who have the ability to self-test to let us know. We can provide the lab capacity. We can provide the supplies. If you have people who are trained to do that, very important because that's a, that, that's a force multiplier for us. Uh, and we're also going to continue to expand our great mobile testing teams with the National Guard and the Florida Department of Health. Uh, from the beginning, we've said any healthcare workers, you go through these drive-through sites, no problem. We also have serological testing. That's great for healthcare workers to know, particularly if you work in a nursing home, do you have the antibodies? If you have the antibodies, then that's a huge thing for uh, a nursing home to know about some of its staff members. So we would, we would encourage frequent testing for diagnostic but also take the antibody test, very, very important. And we are working with the hospitals by going into these communities and doing testing, particularly at facilities where we may not have any evidence of an outbreak to make sure there's no asymptomatic spread going on. Very, very important. And so we just want to encourage hospitals to do that. It's in all of our interest to protect the vulnerable, but also just from a healthcare resource perspective, if you keep it out of the facilities, you're going to devote less resources to patients coming in because there aren't going to be as many as, uh, that are infected. While the governor has ordered staffers to be tested, he has not issued similar orders for residents of these living facilities who may carry the disease without even knowing it. The American Healthcare Association and the National Center for Assisted Living say all residents should be tested, but they say they can't afford to do it. The group estimates it would cost more than $42 million, and that's just in Florida. The number of Florida kids getting routine vaccinations has decreased dramatically during the COVID-19 pandemic, leading doctors, especially pediatricians, to warn that there could be a serious public health consequence if something isn't done to reverse that trend. Data from the Florida Department of Health show a 15% reduction in the number of vaccinations in March and a 40% reduction of vaccinations in April compared to the same month last year. That drop coincided with the governor's decision to issue a statewide stay-at-home order to prevent the spread of coronavirus. But Dr. Bonnie White says it's safe to go to the doctor's office now and get those shots. With this big fear, um, lots of patients have decided not to come into the office. Uh, so uh, kids are falling behind on their vaccines, uh, which then makes uh, that herd immunity that we're looking for to keep certain um, infections out. Um, we're fearful that we're going to see again. The Academy of Pediatrics is very nervous that measles is going to come back. Uh, they're having strange viruses in California that seem that look similar to a polio virus, but it's not that. 
Um, so there's huge concern that we convince parents that the office is safe, you need to come in for your well child checkups, and that kids need to be fully vaccinated. But many parents still refuse to bring their kids in to be vaccinated. Several doctors have suggested the state may have to launch a new public information campaign on the benefits and safety of vaccinations. If you received a phone call lately from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, it was probably a scam. In her latest consumer update posted on YouTube, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody says beware of scammers claiming to work for the state law enforcement agency. Imposter scams are a persistent problem in Florida and across our country. They also consistently rank among the top complaints reported to our office every year. Imposter scams typically begin with a phone call spoofing the number of a law enforcement office or government agency. The imposter, posing as an authority, will then demand payment by leading the target to believe there will be legal ramifications if they don't comply. Now, scammers are using spoofing technology to trick Floridians into thinking they are being contacted by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. This infuriates me. Not only are scams like these illegal, they make citizens question real law enforcement efforts. If you receive a call from a number that appears to be FDLE, be suspicious. FDLE does not call citizens to demand payment or other personal information. And if you receive one of these calls, request the caller's name, rank, and phone number. Look up this information online. And if you think you are being scammed, immediately call FDLE to report the crime at 850-410-7000. You can also report the imposter scam to our office, 8669-NO-SCAM. You can also file complaints online by clicking on myfloridalegal.com. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local healthcare provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely. Please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org slash COVID for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise. Your calendar of events begins at 9 when the Board of Respiratory Care meets by conference call. Governor Ron DeSantis and members of the Florida Cabinet, Attorney General Ashley Moody, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, and Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas meet at 9. This will be the first meeting of the Cabinet since February 4th. The Florida Healthy Kids Corporation Board of Directors meets by conference call at 9. Senator Linda Stewart, Farm Chair, and the St. Isaac Joe's Catholic Church in Orlando are hosting a food distribution event. That begins at 10. The Florida Transportation Commission meets by conference call at 10. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. The State University System Board of Governors holds an online meeting at 2.15, where the Chancellor will present guidelines for reopening campuses in the fall. The Northwest Florida Water Management District Governing Board meets by conference call at 1. And Representative Vince Lupus of Miami, who is CEO of the Children's Movement of Florida, will discuss the impact of COVID-19 on child care facilities during a 1 o'clock webinar held by the Florida Chamber Foundation's Business Alliance for Early Learning. Finally, it's time once again for the adventures of Florida Man, featuring the skunk ape and the hungry, hungry hooker. A legendary Florida man has a new job in an era of social distancing. The Gatorland Theme Park and Wildlife Preserve in Orlando has hired the Skunk Ape as its new mascot. 
The skunk ape is Florida's version of Bigfoot or Sasquatch. His job is to remind people to keep their distance. Gatorland has also imposed more traditional methods to deal with the virus. Attendance is limited. Physical markers have been added to show guests the proper distance to maintain from each other. Employees receive health checks when they start the day, and guests have to agree that they don't have a fever, cough, or other symptoms of COVID-19 before entering the park. Finally, a Florida woman, allegedly working as an escort, is charged with attempted murder after nearly biting off a man's penis. Deputies say 29-year-old Priscilla Vaughn was naked, had blood on her mouth, and snarled and growled at them when they responded to a hotel in Orange County. The victim had significant bites on his penis and testicles, not to mention his leg, abdomen, chest, and fingers. They also found a sex toy that had been damaged by teeth marks. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.